Welcome to Streams in the Desert Live, an interactive prophetic talk show with pastor, evangelist, and prophetic teacher, Dana Bohansky, senior pastor of Streams in the Desert Ministries and House Church, where we look at the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy and give you, the listener, an opportunity to call in to ask questions and share information regarding the signs of the times. This ministry is dedicated to the preaching and teaching of the unadulterated word of the one and only true and living God under the power and anointing of God's Holy Ghost. Streams in the Desert Live is an expansion of Streams in the Desert Ministries. Now, here's your host, Pastor Dana. Shalom and blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Dana, and I once again would like to thank you for joining me today, December 5th, 2018, for the Streams in the Desert Live internet radio broadcast, coming to you from the Streams in the Desert Live home studio via StarWorldWideNetworks.com, where we look at the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy. Today's topic title is the fall of the dollar, and the rise of the new world order. But before we get started, let us pray. Father God, we humbly come before your throne this day. Lord God, we bow down, spiritually speaking. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you've yet to do. We ask that you would send the power, working, and anointing of your Holy Spirit to go out around this world with the airwaves to take your message to your people both those who belong to you now, Lord, and those that will belong to you after they are touched by the power, working, and anointing of your Holy Spirit, dear God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done uh, for us and taking our place on the cross of Calvary that we may have eternal life if we'll stay upon the straight and narrow path, not looking to the left or right, but keeping our eyes and ears spiritually steadfast upon you, walking in the power, working, and anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way in this day, and in Jesus' name we pray it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, folks, greetings to you all once again from wherever you are in the world as you join me, your host, Pastor Dana, today for another compelling episode of Streams in the Desert Live Internet Radio Broadcast. As we open the show for today, it is with a short recap of a timeline laid out by Glenn Beck on his show back on November 5th, 2010. This timeline is a mock timeline that was worked up by a man named Damian Vickers, who is the author of a book called The Day After the Dollar Crashes, A Survival Guide for the Rise of the New World Order. On this day, Beck is joined by Mr. Vickers as a guest on his show. And during that time, Mr. Vickers helps Glenn whiteboard a 15-day calendar concerning just how it might look as the world's stock markets and the U.S. dollar crumble. 
as the long-awaited-for plan to bring in a one-world currency and move the world as a whole to a new world order begins to unfold. With the groundwork, my friends, now laid, let's now briefly take a walk through Mr. Vickers' 15-day timeline concerning the fall of the dollar and the rise of the new world order. Interestingly, this timeline is laid out that day one begins on a Wednesday. I find that interesting, my friends, and I always look for that now that I've heard how it is laid out. It begins with China signaling that they no longer want to be associated in any, in any way, shape, or form with the buying or holding of U.S. bonds. What this timeline conveys at its end is that for the entire world, life as we have known it will have forever been changed. So, China says no more bonds, which triggers the things that will now take place over the next 14 days. On Thursday, day two, the markets are spooked and there is a strange kind of silence taking place on Wall Street, of which seems to be quite astonishing, mainly because Wall Street is a bit taken back by what is taking place. Now it's on to Friday, day three, where the hush on Wall Street appears to still be in effect, but at the same time, reports begin to surface of the apparent instability of the bond and stock markets, which of course is causing people to worry, with some even resorting to panic mode. At this point, it is conveyed that the President of the United States might even come out to make a statement in hopes that he can settle the nervousness of the public knowing that it is Friday and the weekend soon will be in full swing, the powers that be hope that everything will look a lot rosier come Monday morning. Saturday is day four. Everyone is out having a good time and trying not to think about the goings-on in the real world. But before Monday rolls around, there is day five, on the timeline, which is Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week for the Asian markets, of which upon opening goes straight into a free fall and ends their day way down, which in turn is setting the tone for the Monday morning, day six, opening once again of the U.S. stock market where first it is noted that the dollar is already down by 10% at the open, which is to uh, us, my friends, it means that on Sunday, if you had $100 in the bank, now here on Monday morning, one day later, it has turned into $90 in value due to the 10% fall in the dollar. On top of this development, the market suddenly plunges 900 to 1,000 points in, say, the first 20 minutes. And because that the market, after only 20 minutes, has fallen 900 to 1,000 points, it is forced to close 
for the rest of the day. As we move into Tuesday, day seven, people are still totally in shock due to the sharp drop in the Monday morning drop and abrupt early closing of the markets after there again only 20 minutes of operation. Now, between Monday and Tuesday, the European markets have increased their interest rates in hopes of gaining investors looking to protect their money and assets from the falling U.S. markets. But as Tuesday begins, the markets are unable to open in the U.S. and require an emergency Fed meeting. The markets then open around 1045 a.m., they say. Then comes Wednesday, day seven, where we have now made it through one weekend and are now make, marking one week. All is quiet and markets are rallying. People begin to, as they say, buy low for the losses of the last week in hopes of one day in the future to sell high. Everyone thinks that the bottom of the market woe has been reached. Now it is on to Thursday, day eight, where all is still amazingly quiet. Then comes Friday, day nine, where we once again are headed into the weekend. And that is what is on everyone's mind. And that is what they are focused on. But all, my friends, is not well. The dollar plunges another 10 to 15 percent on top of the already 10 percent from earlier. This is where everyone begins to sit up and take notice of the fact that the trends are persisting as well as the sell-offs. And people begin to wonder if or why the actions that the Fed and government have taken are working. So now, as we move into Saturday, day 10, where the feds have the weekend to meet, and what they come up with is this. It is to increase the interest rate 5 to 6%. This plan is laid out on Sunday, day 11, and is where they are trying to attract buyers looking for world liquidity, my friends. It's all about liquidity, ready money, being as this is the whole stock market and bond market game. And it's what it's all about. Attracting investors that are willing to take a risk to make money. But it appears that at this particular time, there are no buyers. Then comes Monday, day 13 of which the author lays out as a day in which there is a global meltdown due to the fact that the Dow falls 3,000 points in one day. Mr. Vickers says, but this is not just the Dow. It is every market worldwide, destroying resources the world over all at once. On Tuesday, day 14, due to all of the chaos, the IMF and the G20 meet. For, and from this meeting, my friends, they call for, get this, a total restructure of all debt. Mr. Beck and Mr. Vickers both agree that this is a big day. 
I would say so as well, my friends. They continue by stating after this big day, the world as a whole has taken on a new order in the world, or shall we say a new world order realized by a total restructuring of the world of which a new global order emerges. Then comes Wednesday, day 15, in which Mr. Beck asks Mr. Vickers concerning this emerging new global order. So you're saying this is on global television in different languages all around the earth. We're all watching it all at once. And they're saying there's a new global order. Okay, right? Mr. Vickers' reply is a new global order, a new world order. Beck then asks, that's where you're saying that's when the public panics all over the world because they don't like this. Uh, It's not just America. Nobody likes this. The banks, the people are starting to break into the banks. Uh, I want my money. The ATMs are now out of cash. There's nothing left. All the food is gone off the shelves. And this is where the real trouble begins for the public. My friends, with this hypothetical scenario now set forth, let us begin to take a look at just how close we may be to the opening salvo of that which has just been shared. As we take a look at a piece by Mr. Michael T. Schneider of The Most Important News, dated November 29, 2018, titled, Three Things That Happened Just Before the Crisis of 2008 That Are Happening Again Right Now of which Mr. Snyder opens by stating real estate, oil, and employment numbers are telling us the same thing. And that is really bad news, he says, for the U.S. economy. It really doesn't appear that the economy that or the economic activity is, it really does, he says, appears that the economic activity is starting to slow down significantly. But just like in 2008, those that are running things don't want to admit the reality of what we are facing. Back then, Fed Chair Ben Bernanke insists that the U.S. economy was not headed into recession. And we later learned that a recession had already begun when he made that statement. And as you will see at the end of this article, says Mr. Schneider, current Fed Chair Jerome Powell says that he is, quote, very happy with how the U.S. economy is performing. But he shouldn't be so thrilled says Mr. Snyder, signs of trouble are everywhere, and we just got several more pieces of troubling news. Thanks to aggressive rate hikes by the Federal Reserve, the average rate on a 30-year mortgage is now up to about 4.8%. Just like in 2008, that is killing the housing market, and it has us on the precipice of another real estate meltdown. And some of the markets that were once the hottest in the entire country 
are leading the way down. For example, just check out what's happening in Manhattan. In the third quarter, the median price for a one-bedroom Manhattan home was $815,000. Oh, my goodness. Down, my friends, by 4% from the same period in 2017. The volume of sales fell 12.7%. Of course, says Mr. Snyder, things are even worse at the high end of the market. Some Manhattan townhouses are selling for millions of dollars less than what they were originally listed for. Sadly, he says, Manhattan is far from alone. Pending home sales are down all over the nation. In October, U.S. pending home sales were down 4.6% on a year-over-year basis. And that was the 10th month in a row that we have seen a decline Hope was high for a rebound after new home sales slumped, but that was dashed, my friends, as pending home sales plunged 2.6% month over month in October, well below the expected 0.5% month over month bounce. Additionally, says Mr. Snyder, pending home sales fell 4.6% year over year, the 10th consecutive month of annual declines. He says, when something happens for 10 months in a row, I think that you can safely say that a trend has started. Sales of new homes continued to plunge as well. In fact, we just witnessed a 12% year-over-year decline for sales of new single-family homes last month. Sales of new single-family homes Uh, plunged 12% in October compared to a year ago to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 544,000 houses, according to estimates by the Census Bureau and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. With an inventory of new houses for sale at 336,000, seasonally adjusted, the supply at the current rate of sales spiked to 7.4 months from 6.5 months supply in September and from 5.6 months supply a year ago. If all of this sounds eerily similar to 2008, says Mr. Schneider, That is because it is eerily similar to what happened just before and during the last financial crisis. Up until now, he says, at least the economic uh, economist, rather uh, optimist, could point to the employment numbers as a reason for hope, but not anymore. In fact, initial claims for unemployment benefits have now ro- have now risen for three weeks in a row. The number of Americans filing applications for jobless benefits increased to a six-month high last week, which could raise concerns that the labor market could be slowing. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits rose 10,000 to a seasonally adjusted 234,000 for the week ending November 24th. 
the highest level since mid-May, says Mr. Snyder. The Labor Department said on Thursday claims have now risen for three straight weeks. This is also similar to what we witnessed back in 2008. Jobless claims started to creep up. Then when the crisis fully erupted, there was an avalanche of job losses. And just like 10 years ago, we are starting to see a lot of big corporations start to announce major layoffs. General Motors greatly upset it, upset President Trump when they announced that they were cutting 14,000 jobs just before the holidays. But GM is far from alone, says Mr. Snyder. Moving forward in this piece, Mr. Snyder shares a third parallel to 2008 is what is happening to the price of oil. In 2008, the price of oil shot up to a record high before falling precipitously. Well, now a similar thing has happened. Earlier this year, the price of oil shot up to $76 a barrel, but this week, which was the last week of November when this was written, my friends, it slid beneath the all-important $50 a barrel. Oil's recent slide, he says, has shaved more than a third off its price. Crude fell more than 1% Thursday to a low of 49 dollars and 41 cents a barrel the last time oil closed between 50 below 50 rather was in october october 4th 2017 my friends by bid, by mid morning the price had climbed back up to 51 dollars Concerns about oversupply have sent oil prices into a virtual free fall. Crude hit a four-year high above $76 a barrel less than two months ago. When economists are asked why the price of oil is falling, the primary answer they give is because global economic activity is softening. And that is definitely the case, says Mr. Schneider. In fact, we just learned that the economic uh, conference in the Eurozone had declined for, uh, the 11, for the 11th month in a row. The economic confidence, my friends, in the Eurozone has declined for 11 months in a row. He says Euro area economist uh, or economic confidence slipped for an 11th straight month, further dampening expectations that the currency block will rebound from a sharp growth slowdown, complicating the, Euro, the European Central Bank's plan to par back stimul stimulus, comparable to our stimulus that we had, my friends, after the crash of 2008. They're still receiving theirs, and now it's been complicated and cannot be pulled back at this point. In addition, says Mr. Schneider, we just got news that the Swiss and the Swedish economies have negative growth in the third quarter. 
And it wouldn't surprise me about the Swedish because they're just uh, ready to receive the mark of the beast over there. They've totally gone cashless, and everybody just about over in Sweden has got the chip implanted in their hand. So it wouldn't surprise me about that. You know, there's always a price to pay for everything, my friends. Mr. Snyder says the economic news is bad across the board, and it appears to be undeniable that a global economic turndown has begun. But current Fed, current Fed Chair Jerome Powell insists that he is very happy about the state of the economy. Jerome H. Powell, the Federal Reserve's chairman, has also taken an optimistic line, declaring in Texas recently that he was very happy about the state of the economy. That is just great, says Mr. Snyder. He can be happy as he wants, and he can continue raising interest rates as he sticks his head in the sand, but nothing says Mr. Snyder, is going to change economic reality. Every single Fed rate hike cycle in history has, listen up, my friends, has ended in a market crash and or a recession. And this time, says Mr. Snyder, won't be any different. The Federal Reserve created the boom that we witnessed in recent years, he said, but we must also hold them responsible for the bust that is about to happen. And, my friends, on that thought-provoking note, and with that in mind, I will be right back after the break so that we can continue our investigation of the fall of the dollar and the rise of the new world order. See it. 
that when Jesus was nailed to the tree, man was forgiven. But there is a stipulation. Man must receive the free gift that Jesus shed his precious and holy blood for, my friends. And it is granted to mankind by asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and to begin to follow him, to know God's word, know it well, and know it correctly for themselves. And with that said, okay, now, my friends, as we continue on to our next piece, of which is once again a great piece done by Mr. Michael T. Snyder, dated December 3rd, 2018, titled Psychological Bubble That Has Been Propping Up the U.S. Economy is Starting to Implode, of which Mr. Snyder kicks off by stating optimism can be a very powerful thing. For a long time, Americans believed that things would get better, and that caused them to take action to make things better. And that actually resulted in things moving in a positive direction. But now things have abruptly shift, shifted, my friends, have abruptly shifted. In late 2018, an increased number of Americans believe that an economic downturn is coming and they are taking actions uh, consistent with that belief. As a result, they are actually helping to produce the result that they fear. And without a doubt, any rational person should be able to see that signs that the U.S. economy is slowing down are all around us. So, it's, it isn't, my friends, as if that those that are preparing for the worst are being irrational. It is just that when large numbers of people start to move in the same direction, it has a very powerful effect. We witnessed this in the stock market in recent years when people just kept buying stocks even though they were massively overvalued. The collective belief that they were that there was money to be made in the stock market became a self-fulfilling prophecy which pushed the stock prices up to absurd heights. But now the process is beginning to reverse as well. And ultimately, the unwinding of that bubble will be quite painful, says Mr. Schneider. Over the past couple of years, the dominant economic narrative that the mainstream media was pushing was that the U.S. economy was booming. And this encouraged businesses to expand and consumers to go out and spend money. But now the dominant economic narrative has changed and businesses are starting to take actions that are consistent with the new narrative. In the retail industry, he says, if executives truly believed we would see an economic boom in the years ahead, they would be expanding. But instead, stores are being closed at a record pace. Mall and shopping center owners across the U.S. are preparing to be hit by more store closures following a brutal year that 
included department store chains like uh, Bonton and Sears going bankrupt, Toys R Us liquidating, and even Walmart shutting dozens of its club stores. Now, a slew of specialty retailers, he says, like Gap and L Brands, are getting serious about downsizing, which will leave more vacant storefronts within malls until landlords are able to replace tenants. As a result of these store closings, says Mr. Snyder, large numbers of workers will be without jobs, vendors will not be receiving orders, and mall owners will be without tenants. In other words, economic activity will slow down. Another sector where there has been a major psychological shift in the, is in the real estate market, he says. Home prices have been falling over, all over the nation, he says, and this includes markets that were once extremely hot, such as San Francisco. In San Francisco, the number of houses with a price cut in October nearly doubled to 238 from 124 last October, according to the data from Realtors.com. That's nothing compared to Santa Clara County, where the number of price cuts rose to 818 last month, more than six times last year's numbers. Santa Clara County has been one of the nation's hottest markets this year, and the Bay Area's price appreciation leader until September. Clearly, there is a market shift said Rich Bennett, a Zephyr agent in San Francisco. A homeowner, if homeowners believed that this dip was just temporary and that home prices would start surging again next year as the U.S. economy thrives, it would be quite foolish of them to slash their price like this. In some cases, home prices are being reduced by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why throw all that money away if the market is going to bounce back shortly? Over in the auto industry, says Mr. Schneider, there has also been a notable psychological shift in the U.S. economy. If the U.S. economy, rather... Uh, was going to be doing extremely well in the year ahead, the major automakers should all be gearing up for record sales. But instead, General Motors just shut down a bunch of factories and laid off 14,000 workers. And Morgan Stanley analyst Adam uh, Jonas is preparing is projecting that Ford will soon be laying off large numbers of employees. Quote, we estimate a large uh, portion of Ford's restructuring actions will be focused on Ford Europe, a business we currently value at negative $7 billion, Jonas wrote. But we also expect a significant restructuring effort in North America involving significant numbers of both salaried and hourly uh, UAW and CAW workers. 
Ford's $70,000 salaried employees have been told they face an unspecified job loss by the middle of next year as the automaker workers uh, through the organized uh, redesign aimed at creating a white-collar workforce designed for speed, according to Karen Hampton, a spokeswoman. These actions will come largely outside of North America, Hampton said, of Ford's restructuring. All of this work is ongoing, and uh, publishing a job-related or a job reduction figure at this point would be pure speculation. Shifting gears, Mr. Snyder says, let us talk about agriculture. As farmers believe, uh, he says, if farmers believed that the trade war was just temporary and that things would soon be swinging back in their favor, many of them would keep trying to hold on for as long as they possibly could. But instead, farmer bank, farm rather bankruptcies are absolutely surging. A total of 84 farms in the upper Midwest filed for bankruptcy between July of 2017 and June of 2018, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. That's more than double the number, listen up my friends, of chapter 12 filings during the same period in 2013 and 2014 in Wisconsin, Minnesota, North North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana, reported Vox. Farms that produce corn, soybean, milk, and beef were all suffering due to low global demand and low prices before the trade war, according to the economists. But President Trump's trade war is making the problem even worse by exacerbating the uh, weakness in the American economy. China has Uh, retaliated against the tariffs by slapping billions of dollars worth of tariffs on U.S. uh, agricultural exports in response to Trump's tariffs on Chinese products. Other countries, including Canada, have also added duties to U.S. agricultural products in response to Trump's tariffs on all imported steel and aluminum. Most Americans want to have hope. But when they look out, but when they look at our economic situation, all they see is a very bleak future. And in some parts of the nation, there still hasn't been any sort of recovery from the last recession. For example, he says, a recent Bloomberg uh, article took a hard look at what conditions are currently like in eastern Kentucky. Tiffany Hensley. Uh, Tiffany Hensley's drive home takes her through some picturesque scenery and ugly economy. Quote, the first thing you see when you get down here is beauty, says Hensley, mid, uh, midway through her shift at a diner in the rolling hills of eastern Kentucky. But then you get to looking around. It's real rough. Of course, eastern Kentucky is far from alone, says Mr. Snyder. 
Yes, coastal cities such as San Francisco and New York have prospered in recent years, but rural communities all across America have been deeply suffering, and now economic conditions are deteriorating once again nationally. And things are about to get a whole lot tougher for everyone. Which, my friends, brings us to our last piece of the day. And for the third time in a row, the author is, drumroll, yes, you got it, Mr. Michael T. Snyder of the economiccollapseblog.com. This very important piece, my friends, is dated yesterday, December 4th, 2018, and is titled, Somebody Pressed the Panic Button on Wall Street. Bank stocks and tech stocks crash as the yield curve inverts. Of which Mr. Snyder begins thusly by stating, stocks aren't supposed to crash in December. Most of the time we see a nice Santa Claus rally to close out the year, and so... What happened on Tuesday is definitely extremely unusual. Yesterday, my friends, the stock market, as he goes on to say, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 799 points. And I want to remind you that today, the fifth day of December, the stock market is closed because of a Uh, National Day of Respect for former President uh, Herbert Walker Bush. Okay, my friends, so um, for the passing on of him. So what will happen tomorrow? But keep that thought in mind. And here's what Mr. Snyder has to say. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 799 points, which was the fourth largest single-day point decline in stock market history. In fact, there was not a single day during the entire financial crisis of 2008 when the Dow dropped by as many points as it did on Tuesday. No, but there was right before it did 777 points, my friends. Um, but that wasn't more. It was still, it was an interesting, uh, number, 777 points. It dropped just before they went into the spiral and crashed to the ground. Mr. Snyder says many believed that this stock market correction would be limited to October, but then it stretched into November and now it has extended into the safe month of December. Is it starting to sound like the 15-day scenario to you, my friends? I don't know. We shall see together. He says, what in the world is going on out there? He says, it would be difficult to overstate the carnage that we just witnessed. The Russell 2000 had its worst day in seven years. Financial stocks plummeted 4.4%. And as you will see below, he says, Fang, which are your Facebooks and and Googles and so on stocks, uh, lost enough money to, listen up, my friends, literally buy McDonald's. There were many, there are, he says, many factors that are influencing the markets right now. But the biggest thing that spooked investors on Tuesday was an inversion of the yield curve. 
which is in the bond market, my friends, which is what sparked the start of the 15-day scenario we read at the beginning of the show. Mr. Snyder says just when it looked like the battered bull was healing, the Dow Jones Industrial Average suffered a drop of nearly 800 points Tuesday when the bond market sent an ominous signal. The yield on the two-year U.S. government bond rose above the interest rate paid out by the five-year notes. Why the pessimism over that obscure-sounding shift? Historically, he says, when short-term rates rise above long-term rates, which is dubbed as uh, inversion of the yield curve, it signals, listen up, my friends, an economic slowdown is coming. However, he says, it should be noted that the yield on two-year bonds has not yet risen above the yield on 10-year bonds. And until that happens, many investors will still not consider the yield curve to have officially inverted yet. But he says, anyway, uh, that you want, he says, anyway, that you want to look at it, uh, what he what has been happening, he says, in the bond market is really bad news for the big banks because it is going to eat into their profits. In an article posted Tuesday, CNN explains explained how this works. The flattening yield curve also affects the income banks collect from lending. Since banks pay interest on short-term rates and lend at long-term rates, they make money off of the difference. Once the yield on the two-year bonds falls below the yield on a five-year bond, investors took that as a signal of big trouble for the financial sector, and they started dumping bank, bond, bank stocks like crazy. The, flattened, the flattening yield curve caused investors to bail on banks, stocks on concern, um, see, bail on bank stocks on concern that the phenomenon may hurt their lending margins. The uh, Spider S&P Bank at EFT, or KBE, dropped 5.3%. Shares of J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Bank of America all declined more than 4%. Citigroup and Morgan Stanley both reached 52 lows, along with regional uh Let's see, along with uh, regionals, financial, and citizens, financial, and Capital One. Of course, this is just a continuation of a trend that has been building for quite some time. And at this point, says Mr. Schneider, the damage that has been done is immense. The following, he says, are numbers uh, that come from Zero Hedge. Global systemically uh, important banks are down 30% from a 52-week high. 
U.S. financials down 14.5% from 52-week highs. Goldman Sachs is down from 30, down 33% from a 52-week high. We haven't seen anything like this, he says, since 2008. And we will want to watch the top big, the top too big to fail banks very closely during the weeks ahead. Meanwhile, he says, the FANG stocks have been getting monkey hammered as well. By the end of the day on Tuesday, he says those stocks had uh, combined to lose, listen up, my friends, more than $140 billion in market value. Facebook fell 2.2%, losing $7.6 billion in implied market value. Amazon fell 5.9%. Uh, losing $50.8 billion in implied market value. Apple fell 4.4%, losing $38.5 billion in applied market value. Netflix fell 5.2%, losing $6.5 billion in implied market value. And Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, fell 4.8%, losing $37.5 billion in implied market value. That, he says, would be enough money to buy McDonald's. Yes, I'm talking about the entire company, he says. Yesterday, I talked about the psychological shift, which is the article we just read before this one, that we have been witnessing. Instead of endlessly promoting the idea that the U.S. economy is booming, the mainstream media is now using phrases such as economic slowdown, the next recession, and market crash. Here are just a few examples, he says. Dow plunges nearly 800 points on rising fears of an economic downturn. Worry, uh, worry less about inflation and more about recession. The years of easy money in the stock market are coming to an end. And that first one, again, was Dow plunges nearly 800 points on rising fears of an economic slowdown, my friends. Normally, he says, the market gets very sleepy during the time period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but that has not happened this year. These should be red flags to us, my friends. We should be paying very close attention to what is going on here. At this time, he says the market will be closed on Wednesday, which is today, my friends, due to the passing of former President George H.W. Bush. And perhaps this time out, he says, will have soothed a lot of nerves by the time the markets reopen on Thursday. But as I have warned before, he says, this crisis is not even close to being over. 
In fact, it is only just beginning, he says. We have been waiting for a long time for the largest financial bubble in American history to burst. And now it is starting to happen. Listen up, my friends. It is being called the everything bubble, he says. And as it implodes, we are going to see things happen that we have never seen before. When when historians look back, he says, on this time of history someday, the crisis of 2008 will be but just a footnote compared to what is coming. It has taken decades of very foolish decisions, he says, to get us to this point, and the consequences for our unwise choices are going to be far more painful than most people would dare to imagine. My friends, there are a couple of things that I would like to say about this, and that is And of course, at this point, such as everything else, it's purely speculation. But due to the things that are going on in our world, um, it has a lot of validity uh, as to what I want to say here. And that is, in many countries, you will find that overnight, their money systems have changed over the years. You can go back and and you can look up Argentina. You can see what happened in India. It's happened in uh, Greece and uh, Cyprus. Uh, Different things have happened. The bail-ins in Cyprus where their money was just locked up in the bank. They could no longer get it out. Uh, That was just a few years ago. Uh, And when money, when currency changes overnight, uh, let's just take India for example, In India, they decided they were going to change a couple of their notes, their denominational notes, like a a 5,000 rupee note and a 2,000 rupee note in one day. In fact, the day was, and you can go look this up for yourself, November 9th, 2016, when President Trump was elected, the day that he was elected. the president of India said that those two sets of notes, the 2000 and the two, uh, the 2000 and the, or the 200 and 500 or 2000 and 5,000 rupee notes would no longer be in play. You were to turn them in. And as long as you could prove where you got that money from, you could turn them in. But anything over 200, so to speak, in dollars uh, worth of those notes being turned in on top of what they knew you had, if you could not explain over 200, if you had over 200 of those notes to turn in, in value, you had to explain where they came from. Do you know that people, they save money at home. They save money in the mattress. They they bury it in the, the uh, backyard. They do a lot of things, my friends. And so the thing is, is if you can't uh, justify where that money came from, you can not have it Uh, turned in and and given back in whatever the new currency is. So these are things to think about because, my friends, I venture to say that soon and very soon, at some point, the new currency will be digital and it will only be on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer. And 
their banks are already moving to kiosk in their banks. I just went into the Chase Bank the other day. I was greeted by a person who was there to inform people of how to use the banking teller machines that are inside the bank instead of tellers human tellers. And if you wanted to use a human teller, well, they were down the hall around the corner, but they didn't even want you to see them. They wanted you to learn how to put your money in, take your money out, pay your bill, whatever it was that you needed to do. They want you to do it all electronically because soon and very soon, my friends, uh, the system will be totally and fully in place and ready for the Antichrist beast to walk in and just begin the time of great tribulation where all will be required to take what is called the mark of the beast and outlined in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation in the Bible, my friends. But for those of you who are ready, watching and waiting for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have nothing to worry about because before the mandatory taking of the mark of the beast comes into play, those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and who are ready, watching and waiting and praying for his imminent return in the rapture will have gone with the Lord Jesus Christ. We will have gone into the heavens with the Lord Jesus Christ to forever be with him, my friends, by the time the Antichrist uh, system comes into play as mandatory. And this is the word of the Lord, not just my opinion. It is right there in the Bible. That is why we were to know the Lord's word, know it well and know it correctly for ourselves, My friends, and to have the power working and anointing of God's Holy Spirit operating in your life. But I have news for you. The only way you can have the power of God's Spirit working in your life and for you to be ready, watching, waiting, and praying for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ in the rapture is to have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ by asking him to forgive you of your sins and to to uh, to let the Lord Jesus Christ know that from that day forward in your asking of him to forgive you of your sins, that you will walk with him from that day forward throughout eternity. And remember, my friends, God knows the, the end from the beginning. So today, my friends, remember, today is the day of salvation. Our time is very short. That's why these programs are brought to you, so that you can prepare yourself mainly spiritually to be ready for what comes next. And what comes next is eternity. And wherever you have chosen and whoever you have chosen in this life and at your last breath or when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in the rapture, whoever you're serving at that time is who you will serve for all eternity. My friends, Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins this day. Ask the Lord God to impart to you the indwelling power, working and anointing of his Holy Spirit with the evidence, with speaking with other tongues after you have done so in the asking of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And with that said, my friends, it is a wrap. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Shalom and blessings until we meet again. I
Find Streams in the Desert Live each Wednesday at 4 p.m. on Star Worldwide Networks, where your host, Pastor Dana, will examine the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy. Streams in the Desert Live thanks you for listening, for your phone calls, emails, and as always, your generous love offerings in support of this internet radio broadcast. You may also visit or email Streams in the Desert Ministries, home of Streams in the Desert Live, by way of the website or Facebook page, which can be easily found on the StarWorldWideNetworks.com Streams in the Desert landing page. Until next week, Streams in the Desert Live bids you all much love in Jesus and that the peace of the Lord Jesus be unto you all now and always. And remember, if you're not serving Jesus now, what makes you think you'll be doing it later?